Welcome to Using Your Power. I'm David Andrew and joining me as always is... Maveen Cora. Hey, Maveen, how are you doing? I'm doing great, David. How are you today? I'm powered up. Are you? Nice. <laughs> yeah, I love betcha. it. That's well, good. It's better than some of the other answers I've heard you tell me on other episodes. No, that's very true. <laughs> In the last couple of days, I've been dealing with computer issues all over again. So still issues with Windows 10 and all the updates that have been put out. You know, my friend pointed out that with some of the hacking and other th- things that have been happening in, in the news and in the media that it's kind of inevitable that uh, an OS that's maybe not completely stable like Windows 10 would continue to release <laughs> new updates in an effort to in, in to mitigate any, any security issues it may have, which I guess makes sense, but it's still kind of annoying. Like, you know, you have a computer, you hope your OS works. And that, if that doesn't work, then you can't do anything else. So, <laughs> well, maybe it's uh, WikiLeaks trying to hack you. Yeah, it could be. Who knows? <laughs> maybe that's why it's not working. Anyway, I mean, we're <laughs> recording on that computer right now, so it's at least stable enough to do that, right? No, for sure. Everything seems to be working fine. So, I mean, let's record, and uh, I'm excited to put this episode out when uh, we do put it out in the future. Here, exactly. Well, what are we talking about today? Today is our topic is, I guess, uh, what it takes to blog. Right. Blogging every day, blogging often, blogging frequently, whatever, however you want to frame the entire episode, we're talking about blogging. We know that it's a topic that comes up a lot in a lot of different podcasts, but it's still something we wanted to share some thoughts on. I think it's still incredibly relevant, despite, you know, how things have changed over time. Every single or I wouldn't say every single year, but every few years, it seems like Mitch Joel is declaring the end of blogging. And I, I don't, maybe the bl- end of the blogging as we used to know it, sure, but I don't think blogging is dead. What do you think, Maveen? No, I don't think it's dead at all. I think, uh, you know, I was thinking about that this morning when, when I was preparing myself to have this talk uh, today. Yeah. Uh, one of the things I was thinking about is realistically, every website out there is a blog. Yeah, if you think exactly. About it, right? It's so, so true. Yeah. So, uh, you know, with us, for example, coming online that's just you know a new blog or a new website going to be coming up soon that is really going to keep happening because no one's going to stop right there's people that are being born today that are going to want to take advantage of the internet later right so anybody who says it's saturated i don't know yeah exactly i mean sure there's a ton of blogs out there but i would guess there's a high number that die every single day as well and as far as like building your authority or building your credibility within an industry, building a blog and putting content on there, even though uh, the types of content will continue to change and maybe there's a bit of a pendulum swing as well. Like right now, video content is huge, as you know, but people are now blowing up about podcasts, which, you know, for someone who's been podcasting since 2009, and I know others that were kind of just beginning to look at what it was in 2005 and trying to take advantage of the opportunity. I mean, it's taken a while for podcasts to actually take off. But video is is really all the rage, and that's where a lot of marketing budgets are are going towards. But Mav, you're going to start us off with why we would even want to blog, right? That's correct. So, you know, one of the things you you made me uh, think about when you're actually talking right now, David, was, you know, because there's so many different ways people are uh, consuming uh, information these days, right? So blogging, uh, you know, it's it's a way to read and really inter- interact with your, uh, you know, your reader or your subscriber to your website, right? Uh, people enjoy video. There's definitely a reason for, to have that as well. Um, I mean, there's going to be all sorts of ways people are consuming content. And, you know, I don't think people are going to stop reading anytime soon unless they stop teaching it in our school system. Uh, but, you know, I, that's kind of what my little uh, disclaimer on that is. And also like the tech accompanying uh, a video post or a podcast post is still really important and you're not really you know for the foreseeable future anyway I don't think we're gonna stop creating a little bit of, of a text introduction even if we're just posting like an infographic which still in my mind qualifies as a form of blogging that's right. So the one of the things that I thought of was um, right before you start to blog and, and even before you start putting your pen to paper or your fingers to the keyboard you probably are going to have to have a reason you want to blog uh 
about whatever you wish to talk about, right? Um, the, typically, you you wanna you have something maybe a burning desire inside you that you want to talk about and tell everybody about, or tell anybody who'll listen to you about, I guess, in this situation, or read your information, right? So, and when you have a reason, you know that really does help develop the vision of what you want to talk about on a daily basis, or a weekly basis, or a monthly basis, right? Uh, part of that reason as well could be, you know, maybe it's your own experiences. You're, you're going through some health challenges. Maybe you've mm. you've gone to school or taken a course, or you've traveled abroad, and you want to tell people about it, or you want to tell people uh, in the the moment it's actually happening as well, right? So there are different ways and different times to blog uh, as well. But I think if you don't have a reason, uh, the first and foremost, that burning desire of why, eventually that reason of doing it every single day will disappear. That's true. And actually, it goes hand in hand with my next point about opportunity. And this actually might end up being kind of the longest part of the show. We'll see what happens. But you're exactly right. First of all, you need some kind of reason to do it, some kind of motivation, whether that's a health challenge or a recent death in the family or a career change or some difficulties that you're going through. I guess that's kind of how like Pat Flynn got started with blogging, right? It's because he lost his job in, in architecture. So it makes, you know, there's different things that motivate different people to get started. But I think opportunity is worth considering. And I would say the baseline opportunity here is just to catalog, document your thoughts, archive them. There's nothing better than really a blog than to do that it's in some ways it's even better than a journal except you know it's public or it's it's public to the degree that you want it to be public so that i I would say that's like the first opportunity that you have with a blog you can it organizes everything by date you can put everything into different categories depending what it's about and you can also tag each blog post if you want to connect them in ways that categories will not so I think you can also, people have often said like writing often or writing frequently helps them get clarity on their ideas and helps them organize the thoughts in their head a lot better. So there's, there's massive advantage to writing, but writing in and of itself is a very actually difficult discipline. I agree. You know, it, it takes uh, it takes time. It takes effort to sit down and really formulate your thoughts. But I do find that the more you write, you know, this is one thing that uh, you kind of encouraged me to do too, right? Because as soon as I mentioned to you, you know, I really wanted to get into podcasting, into blogging, into writing. You know, what's the one of the first things he said to me was, "Well, if you want to be a writer, guess what you're gonna have to start doing <laughs> is writing." So you know, if you want to be a blogger, then the first thing you need to start doing is writing, right? And really getting your thoughts down. I like what you said about um you know it's it's like your journal that's public yeah you know so it is kind of a way i think when blogging first started i really do think a lot of people were just talking about their personal experiences on a daily basis and gaining that following for who they were right and i think that's how it generally had started back in i don't know 2007 or even before oh, even that, earlier right? yeah yeah so but now i mean blogging has really taken a different step and people are really i think trying to educate people you know with that blog that they're they're putting out or that information they're putting out well yeah how to make something that's that's quality enough that people will engage with right because when live journal or blogging was still new you could just kind of talk about your day and people would read that and i'm not saying <laughs> you don't have an interesting life but i'd say most people today aren't going to read that unless you are really extraordinary or different and interesting in some way so that's that's kind of the the humble beginnings of blogging some of the other opportunities one uh if you're a freelancer for example so let's say that you're a photographer and i know that's something that you're kind of getting into moving if if you're a photographer and you have a like photo blog just some a place where you publish new photos on a regular basis to show off your work well i'd say over time because photos are engaging people love photos photos are great for social media they drive a lot of interest and likes and comments and shares and things like that over time i think it's safe to say if people like your work then they're now willing or interested in hiring you as a photographer for their upcoming project whatever that may be so even if you just want to freelance on a small scale and make a couple hundred bucks a month or a few hundred bucks a month extra on top of whatever else you're you're making in your day job if you're if you're willing and able to stay consistent with the process of blogging and sharing something new every day then i think there's there's big opportunity there for freelancers 
No, you're right. And the nice thing about, you know, you mentioned about photography is, you know, even if there's no words attached to that photo, you know, the nice thing about it is it's what people think and their projection of what that photo means to them. And they can even write about that, right? So if we looked, if you took 100 people and took one photo and asked 100 people to write about that photo, I guarantee you we could probably get 100 different blogs on that particular photo, right? So mm. that's a beautiful thing about going to like a, a museum that has some really nice artwork as well. You know, you, you're just in that gallery, you're, you got, you're, everybody's pretty quiet and typically looking at that photo or that painting just to kind of see what they feel the artist was really trying to portray in that, in that as well, right? So you're right about that. Exactly. And the next level of opportunity, although there isn't necessarily a hierarchy here, it just really depends on what you want to achieve with it is is looking for a job i know there's there's actually quite a few people out there that have started a blog and then have that's helped them land their dream job so i I think that goes really hand in hand with a lot of other ways people are are teaching how to blog like establishing your authority making sure that you are positioned as an expert and people begin to perceive you as the go-to person for for maybe the specific niche in in your particular industry so maybe you're a marketing person but you want to specialize in like twitter so you just focus in on twitter you write about everything you can think of about twitter you you constantly tweet constantly share your thoughts and your opinions about what's happening with twitter and pretty soon i won't say like it'll be easy but given time you will establish yourself as a twitter and guess what the best place to publish twitter related content is well, it's on Twitter. <laughs> like anytime I post something about Facebook, the best place to post it is Facebook because that people are already there. They're already thinking about it. <laughs> right. No, you're right. Yeah. So I would say, you know, if you're, if you're pursuing a new career or if a career just came to a close and maybe you got laid off, maybe you got fired for whatever reason you lost your job or maybe just a safeguard against that loss. If you begin blogging and establishing your expertise in a particular area, you can find employment through blogs, interestingly enough. And I know a lot of people tend to like discredit blogs at times. And to me, that I get that. But I think part of being smart in this digital age is being able to tell the difference between blogs that are not credible and blogs that are credible. And if you don't have that skill, I'm sorry, you do not deserve to be on the Internet. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, we can't choose who uh, who writes on there. But the nice thing is, I think through all the different algorithms, you know, they do get their content moved to the top or to the bottom. Yeah. Right. So, I mean, you're right in that fact. You know, I mean, anybody can put any thing on the internet exactly you know, it is sometimes like they say the uh the bathroom wall of society sometimes right so i mean anybody can write anything on it doesn't mean it's true doesn't mean it isn't true right it's really it's a subjective right you have to really decide you know what you're if you're what you're reading is indeed the truth or not true i think based on your own morals and values as well as what facts that have been presented uh based on the blog you're reading right and one of the things i did like what you said was you know if you um say for example you said if you had lost your job and you were just kind of starting to write as a part of a blog the nice thing with that too it does provide a lot of clarity right and in, in as you're looking for potentially that additional uh you know employment opportunity that does give you the opportunity to really just kind of figure out who you are as well just through your writing and sometimes you know not you know you may not want to go into that uh, employment world you might actually decide to go blog full-time it's very true yeah it could actually lead to that opportunity as well there's absolutely no guarantees there but perhaps by monetizing your blog you soon discover that you don't need that job that was going to be offered you some people still choose to take them which i get because i mean if you had an offer from procter and gamble if you had an offer from google if you had an offer from apple would you at least consider taking it i think yes <laughs> yeah <laughs> i think many people would so that's the kind of thing that can that can potentially happen i'd say the the next level and again there's no hierarchy here the next level up is is kind of like what Neil Patel does. We'll call it authority or influencer blogging. Basically, I mean, he's a serial entrepreneur. He started many different companies. He doesn't really have to blog. He doesn't have to share his knowledge. He chooses to. And he he chooses to give a lot of it away for free on like Quicksprout and NeilPatel.com. Like, I don't know how this guy does it all, but I guess that's his hustle, right? That's right. <laughs> that's what his book says. And here's the thing. I mean, blogging in that way and giving the, a lot of that information away for free, it's not as though there's no mode of monetization. Obviously, he released a book. Well, that 
is a source of income, even if it's not humongous. He gets invited to speak at various events, and that can actually be pretty substantial amount of money if if you're the kind of person that people really, really want at their events. It can lead to a lot of other opportunities like that. And again, I think the principle is the same as what I shared about you know becoming a uh, industry expert it has you have to build it over time it takes time to do it's not easy to do but if you keep putting sharing your thoughts out there if you keep putting your thoughts out there on a regular basis and you choose different mediums to do it and you share it through the right social media channels and you define your target audience and all that kind of stuff i think you have the potential to become an authority blogger like neil patel no, you're right. You know, and there's uh, other um, bloggers out there as well doing the exact same thing that you just described, right? So, um, it is just you know part of it is uh, blogging about content that people want to read. Part of it is also the social media aspect of is getting your information out there, getting people to to relate to your information, read your information. Uh, you know, this stuff that we'll get into a little bit later as well, a little bit deeper into conversation. But you're totally right. Um, you know, th- there's so many ways to go out about and do it and I mean the there's been years that uh, people have had the opportunities to build their blogs so there's a lot of people also teaching on how to build those blogs as well right but it all comes down yes. to in my in my thought process again is if you don't have that reason you know you're not going to look for or find those opportunities either oh absolutely and maybe like the, the, some of these opportunities are the carrots that would keep you going right like hopefully you actually get to the carrots at some point or at least you acknowledge when they do happen right I, i'd say you know the last opportunity as far as like categories go is business so a lot of businesses have blogs and some of them are just there because it helps with traffic or it helps with conversions it helps generate leads and prospects or it helps build trust with their audience you know if someone comes to your website and sees there's no blog (laughs) well you know they might not be quite as inclined to go with you as somebody a a competitor that does have a blog so it's, it's sort of fast becoming a competitive advantage but that doesn't mean that people engage a lot with business blogs necessarily i think they have to be really good like if you are documenting your journey as a startup, those are the kind of things I know I've heard business owners talk about frequently. They follow other people who are in the startup industry, maybe in a similar space in the business world, and they'll follow along with their blog and learn from them as they're growing. So it's interesting, but I think there, there is tremendous opportunity to build trust with your audience, build credibility with them if you're blogging regularly on your business blog. You're right. And one of the things I've seen is, you know, I've gone to different business uh, business websites, <clears throat> excuse me, and different company websites and uh, seen that they do have a blog, but it's not always kept up. It's usually just them putting yeah. some quick information on there and just to kind of be on, you know, be online and be part of that space. It's not necessarily, excuse me, if a voice is starting to crack for some reason. Um, no worries. <clears throat> go ahead. I'm just going to. Yeah. So, here. so what you're saying is you're looking at various business websites to see their blog and the quality of the blog and things like that. That's right. And uh, one of the things I've really noticed is you know, I think if you have a business blog, then having a testimonials part of your blog is going to be very important, mm. you know, because that allows your customers that are coming to you uh, to kind of take a look at your your current website and your product and say, you know, based on what other people are saying on your website, not some random other blogs and other people's blogs that are either liking or disliking your product. They see it right on your website that if it's a good product, they're more willing to buy it as well when other people are enjoying it. That's really interesting. It's it's kind of like the whole idea of controlling your message. You know, I had a couple come to me in network marketing and they asked me about blogging and, and how the search uh, search works, you know, how, how, do, how do search results work? Because I, I, obviously they're con- concerned a little bit about their online reputation. There were some th- people saying some things about them online, which could be true or not true. I couldn't really tell you. But again, it's a third party opinion. And I just shared like, well, if you're blogging frequently and you're adding fresh content to their website, then they would be able able to kind of control their online reputation. So I think that's another aspect to blogging is if you want to control what's said about you online, and you, then you really want to be the first result. 
but if you're the authority on yourself and you publish a blog about yourself and you use your full name, well, the first thing that people see when they search Google now is going to be your website. And now you control the message versus somebody else con controls the message. Now, if people deep dive into Google or even the quote unquote so-called dark web, <laughs> then they can find all kinds of things about you that maybe, you know, wouldn't lend themselves to, to kind of a positive impression. But I would say vast majority of people aren't going to do that kind of research and are just going to stick to the first few results in Google. So, and this is also what political leaders do is they establish a website and make sure it's the first thing people see in search results. And now you control the message. And that, I think that is an important thing when you're thinking about online reputation. No, you know what? I agree with you. And just one of the things that uh, I thought about is just kind of moving into the next point too, is um, now that the, the listeners have a reason to want to blog, they now see the opportunities that are available to them if they mm. do blog and get better at their art and their craft, you know, um, is how to get, kind of get started and kind of what part of their brains to start using. And even for us, when we when we create stuff, even part of this podcast, I know you create a lot of different blogs for your website. Um, you know, it, you need, I find uh, I work best in a quiet space. So that was one of my points I wrote down, right? Uh, the reason I create better in a quiet space is it's just me with myself. I'll typically, will put on some nice... Uh, 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 quiet music as well. Mm. So I actually will put on uh, either some jazz music, uh, some classical music, or something a little bit upbeat, but with no words. Yeah. You know, that I find helps the creative side of my brain uh, start to process and start thinking and start writing. And you know, I could find myself getting into a really nice groove that way. You know, uh, I don't ever not actually put on a little bit of light music to create. I don't know why. I've never actually tried not writing without music on. Maybe I will give it a try uh, in the next little bit. But I find, you know, having that quiet space really does allow me to focus on what I want to write about or research about before I start uh, writing about a certain topic, right? So what are your thoughts? Well, I think those are some great points. Part of it is just setting yourself up to win. I think you do need quiet and depending on the length and the depth of the blog post that you're trying to write, you're going to need an hour, two hours, possibly even three hours of just quiet time alone. And if it's like a really in-depth, research intensive piece, you might not be done writing it. I think that's kind of Brian Dean's method of spending 20 hours or more on a single blog post just to do the research, to do the case studies, to incorporate the images, the formatting and everything else really depends on what you're trying to achieve. I think, you know, the, the Neil Patel and Brian Dean method is write an authoritative blog post on that topic. And it's going to be a huge one. And it's going to contain research and it's going to contain graphics and all kinds of things, but it, it doesn't have to be that right. There are different blogs and different styles, different approaches, depending on what you're going for. But the point being that you need probably do need a quiet space to do it. in. you probably do need to do it alone without distractions if at all possible because it actually is pretty intensive creative work and it does involve the mind quite a bit and i think you're absolutely right with music best choices are probably baroque and jazz because your brain can't predict what's going to happen next versus really repetitive techno beats which your brain knows exactly what's coming next yeah, and, and, and even four and, yeah. four syllables and <laughs> even <laughs> even begins to anticipate the next changes in the music so yeah choosing the right kind of music Silence can work too, but you know, <laughs> having having tried everything myself, silence can sometimes be lonely or sad. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, it, it is a good thing, but I find that when I have the silence, you know, when I was trying it with with no music on, is that my brain starts to wander. And I start mm -hmm. thinking about other stuff other than what I'm supposed to be focusing on working on, right? I mean, your your brain probably has a million different thoughts, you know, every second or could have those many thoughts. And don't quote me on the exact number because I really don't know. But my point is your brain has a lot of different thoughts and, and wants to, you know, not focus on what it wants, what you're doing. It really can and does want to focus on other things that are maybe happening in your life or things that you got to do in the future, right? So I find when I put that music on in my quiet space that the music allows me to kind of concentrate and, and focus my attention in that in that direction yeah and it's it's really interesting like i i've listened to like 432 hertz healing music or dna repair music while i'm doing it uh these days and i found that to be very effective but if you had to guess Maveen, like what would you say is like the best state to write in is it like super excited is it like depressed is it somewhere in between it 
is it some other emotion? What do you think is like, has been the best state wow. to write in for me? Well, that's a good question. You know, um, I wouldn't really know that answer because I'm like, you've probably done some reading on this, but you know, for me, the best time to write is when I'm relaxed. Hmm. Yeah, I think that that you've kind of hit it on the nose there. I think it's best to do the work when it's peaceful, because oftentimes we're so hurried and we're trying to go about our day and we're rushing around. And I've found that if you don't have to think about what's ahead in the day, if you if you can even stop yourself from doing that, which I think is one of the things that the 432 hertz music does, just puts you in that calm, peaceful, restful state. And it's much easier to focus from that state than if you're super excited. And trust me, like being excited is a great thing because you're like, oh yeah, something great's gonna happen. And being in that state is awesome, but it's it's hard to concentrate, isn't it? It's just like stress in some ways. Wow, so, well put. Yeah. I like that. That's actually a good point that you brought together. Yeah, so being being peaceful, I, I think that's a great place. I wanted to talk about discipline, but again, it bleeds right into your point, so <laughs> there's a bit of synergy happening here. I, I think th- we always do. We eventually get all our points to kind of work together, even though we're writing them completely separate. Yeah, exactly. So it's very simple. I mean, if you want to blog, you need discipline. Why? Because blogging is something to be done regularly. I think a lot of people still look at content marketing as like a one-time event, a campaign, especially businesses, right? They'll just launch into it and produce these 40 posts. And after that 40 posts were done and that those 40 posts could have been amazing. And it could have been a part of like a really cool program that people were interested in, but because they, they, the scope of the whole thing was just, let's just do a campaign. And after the 40 posts were done, well, there's no continuity. And with content marketing or blogging, I would say continuity is important. You know, people are going to see that if you're in your archives, you didn't publish anything between 2009 and 2013, <laughs> that you, you took some time off and there was no reason for them to come to your blog necessarily, unless you had some really great posts in the archives that they wanted to come back to. So discipline showing up regularly, however you want to do that is up to you. You don't have to sit down at a computer every day to do it. You could set aside one day a week for four hours of writing or eight hours of writing if you feel that you could concentrate for that length of time and have a week's worth of posts or maybe more depending on how what your publishing schedule is. People usually kind of choose between daily, five days a week, three days a week, once a week, once every two weeks or once a month, any less than that. And, you know, you kind of question the the importance of the, of the blogging or the effectiveness of it too. Some people do blog less and do fine, but that might be because they're already established experts in their field. Right. And, you know, one of the things I do, do agree with is, you know, once you set that time aside, make sure you're actually working in that time that you've set yeah, aside. Yeah, exactly. Um, and, you know, I've always heard, you know, if, if you put the important things first in your calendar and then put all the non-important things, you'll do all the important things first. You know, so if, if it's blogging every single day or once a week or once a month is important to you, then make sure you put that in your calendar and you're getting that done on a daily basis, right? It's the same thing. It's like when I started actually uh, writing my book a little while ago, it all kind of stemmed from what your advice was to start writing, right? So I had actually started writing blog posts um, mm. at that point. And what I decided to do now was turn those, uh, it's funny that you said 40, it's about 40, 43 blog posts into a book, right? Because really, yeah. um, the the blog posts really aren't going to add additional value because it wasn't something that I could continue to do every day, but I could use those uh, posts to write a story, right? So now when I'm going back to write that book, it is setting the right amount of time aside, uh, either when I'm done uh, all my morning to-do list or prior to my morning to-do list, right? So I, I'll choose what I, uh, which direction I choose to go the day or the night before. But again, keep in mind, there's always things that are happening and coming up, right? Exactly. Uh, you know, tomorrow or today, my phone can ring and say, hey, I need you to be over here. So, you know, if that's important and part of my strategy and then I got to be there, I got to be there, right? So I have to kind of work around with what's happening in real life as well. And not only, and not just neglect some of the other people that are also uh, wanting our my time and your time as well, right? So, but it is also knowing what your priorities are. And if you can move things around, then obviously do that as well. Well, I couldn't 
agree more. And it's really partly the, the Stephen Covey, Covey priority system, which people may not be familiar with. The idea is if you put the biggest priorities in your day first, you'll have all the time for all the smaller things or lesser important things. I guess it depends on where you put blogging on that spectrum of how important it, it is to you. But if it's something you want to make sure that you're doing every single day or at least regularly, then putting it in first makes a lot of sense. And then there's always time left for everything else and things on your do to do list. Like I do, I do this often. I'll put something on my to do list and I really don't want to do it. And then when I do it, it's like two minutes and I'm like, ah, should have just done it sooner. (laughs) (laughs) Or what happens is you put all this stuff on your list and you put all the important stuff, you put all the non-important stuff and you do all the the non-important stuff first, looking like you've accomplished so much because you're able to scratch them off your list. And then the most important stuff still don't get done. You move them to the next day. You add more non-important stuff to that list and you continue in that cycle, right? So without that discipline of knowing that you have to do the more important stuff first, you're always just going to do the least important stuff and not get accomplished or maybe not accomplish what you're looking to accomplish in the now. You might accomplish it maybe six weeks from now, you know, instead, right? So obviously if you focus on it today, you're going to get better results today, which will move you quicker into the future you're looking to go into. Yeah, I mean, that's also a very common tendency for people to just try to scratch off the easiest items on their to-do list first. And I think, you know, since blogging is mostly going to be self-directed, even though it might be goal-based, like you might be clear on what your motivation is and what your goals are, it's still going to be self-directed, which is, again, why ties right in with what I said about discipline. You need it. Right. No, you're right. And, you know, tying right that into that point right there is right. So once you create that discipline for yourself, you, you have a reason you want to write, you have a, uh, you know, an opportunities that you can foresee for the future. Um, you know, th- you want to be able to now write for a target audience, right? And I know for yourself, for example, your target audience is music entrepreneurs, right? So people yeah. who want to take their music career um, from where they are and really run their own business with their own music, right? They don't necessarily necessarily want, you know, all the big uh, companies out there like Sony and whatnot to, to sign them. Not that they'd probably hate it, but I mean, if Sony, they offered me lots and lots of money, I might take that, right? But it's really having that opportunity to make all that money and keep more of it for yourself and not be tied to somebody else. And one, not only does it teach you how to be self-sufficient, it teaches you how to be a business owner, as well as use all the different social medias, uh, you know, to target your audience and really connect to that audience right and that also runs the gamut from anybody who wants to make like an extra 50 bucks in their music career all the way to people who want to do like tech startups within the music industry Absolutely, you know, and if you, there's some great examples in music that, um, you know, a lot of the musicians these days are using to um, to connect to their audience, right? But they're not necessarily all business owners, right? They're all, That's they might, right. some of these, you know, some of the bigger uh, owners of these, uh, you know, music labels, they, they started off as uh, musicians, now they're signing other people, right? So, I mean, they've taken what they've learned and used that uh, discipline that way, right? Now, looking back to blog blogging, you know, it's the same type of same type of idea, right? You own your content. When you're writing about music right now, you own that content. No one else technically owns that content. Uh, you know, you've done the research, you've gone in and, and written, uh, you know, thorough articles to tell people about, right? So uh, you knew who your audience was because you were actually, I think, part of your own audience at one point. You yeah. wanted to learn how to be a business owner and a self-sufficient, not relying on big companies to you know to to make you successful you wanted to i think from all the books you read and probably put that in your ingrain that in your mind that you could do this by yourself you really didn't necessarily need you know companies throwing hundreds of thousands of dollars at you to own you really they do own you because they require you to do so many shows or do so many albums you know and and uh, you know be at certain uh, book signings or whatever that they need your album signings or whatever they need you to be at to do right so you're almost on their schedule now right sometimes it's easier just making a hundred thousand dollars and you own your own time and own your own schedule all because you generated the work by yourself and interacted with your own audience 
Yeah, it, it to me, it's kind of like a spider web or like the spokes of a different wheel, if you will. I don't know if people really see this big, bigger picture, but I, I'm, you know, more than ever begin to see that. Like one spoke is my book. And whether or not people know that, like that's basically a passive source of income. Do I market it on an ongoing basis? Yes. Do I work hard? Yes. <laughs> Do I keep, you know, sharing about it on the podcast and the blog? Absolutely. I mention it every opportunity possible, but I'm not hard selling. I'm not telling people to go and buy it. I'm just saying like, this is a good book. Everybody's told me it's great. Everybody likes it. So here's a, a resource that can help you. And it's the same with every ebook I create, every course I create, every new single that I put out is a new opportunity. You know, ownership within the music industry is still a really tricky thing because again you are kind of dependent on the labels you're kind of dependent on the tech companies and various other ways to get your music out there but there is an opportunity for ownership today now more than ever you know it used to be that if you weren't signed to a label then who are you (laughs) you know it's pretty tough like not that there weren't independent artists in the 60s 70s 80s that were less recognized it's just that if you weren't working with a label then you probably weren't terribly visible whereas now everybody really kind of has the same opportunity if not the same resources but we all we all have the internet so we can all market in pretty much the same way you can market like a big label particularly because there's no red tape within an independent artists or an independent business owners you know environment right and i think you said it right with the with the end with the advancements in the internet and you know with people blogging and video blogging and you know really putting themselves out there through the social media the uh, you know t- to attract your own audience has really been a lot easier i think for people right yeah. now it's a lot cheaper as well it's a lot easier yeah it still takes a lot of work don't get me wrong it's hard right? to Even, stand out yeah for us as well right now as we're recording and as we're putting on episode after episode you know we're doing all the work the background work that needs to be done where people that we're attracting uh to listen to our podcast right so it's the same thing when you're writing a blog right you you have to know who your audience is why your audience is going to come to you and want to keep coming back to you right because um, once you start writing and, and, and they enjoy your writing they will keep coming back as long as you give them a reason to keep coming back yeah, exactly. And I think it's, it's, it's exactly what I said about spokes of the wheel, not just That's in terms right. of income, but also in terms of traffic or attraction, getting people to your blog. It's, it's having your reach in different places. You don't need to be everywhere, but you do need to find a few that you can leverage and use and are most effective for you. Right. You know, I'm going to ask you a quick question here. So I know you have your own blog. You got your couple of different websites up. What are some of the things you've done uh, to create an audience uh, or a following? I, I think first and foremost, it starts with the content. So if you don't have any content, how are you going to reach out to different places? You know, you can you can be the octopus's head, but if the head is full of nothing, then you can't reach out <laughs> with your tentacles. It's maybe not the best analogy, but you get what I mean. You know, if you don't have any blog posts, if you don't have any podcast episodes, videos, or any kind of content that is going to interest people, how are you going to get them to your website? So first solving that problem, having the content. Second of all is experimentation. You know that I did quite a bit of that, like in month, month segments, which is maybe not totally enough, but enough to figure out kind of the basics of each platform. Experimented with like StumbleUpon and Pinterest and various others for a period of time, probably for about like five, five months or so. And that kind of gave me an idea of, uh, you know, what were, the, what were the most effective ones. But I think time shows over and over again that like Facebook, Twitter tend to be the winners. And then, you know, for me, StumbleUpon is also a good one, but that's not going to be true of absolutely everybody, it's, you know, because StumbleUpon might send a ton of traffic, but not necessarily good traffic. But for me, the extra two seconds it takes to submit a post is often worthwhile creating content or creating great content that isn't already out there that's also part of the the equation doing your audience research you know use things use things like google analytics buzzsumo and various other tools to to determine exactly who i'm talking to and it's you know some of that has proven useful so those tools that you're you're mentioning to the audience that's listening right now uh these are tools that can actually help you find a listening or reading audience uh for your for your uh, product you're saying so here's some thoughts like with google analytics 
I think this is a feature you have to turn on and I don't remember what it was. I think it might've been demographics or something like that. So when it turn when you turn it on, Google analytics will start tracking the kind of people that are coming to your site, which you can then use to figure out, okay, what are their interests? What industries these people are in? What's their age range? And those, those things can prove pretty useful in, in terms of like target audience. And then BuzzSumo is a tool you can use to figure out what are the top shared posts on a particular subject or a particular website. So I can look at every single competitor website within the music industry and say, the top shared posts have to do with Spotify, right. <laughs> which is kind of true. Those are the kinds of, of things that I can figure out using tools. But I don't know if there's anything better than like in-person conversation with musicians, something that I've been having more of as of late. Right. And, and I do like the idea of using the different tools to find who your target audience is, right? Um, I mean, there, there with so many people in the world and so many people really uh, having, you know, there's so much social media, there's so much media out there, there's a lot of um, things vying for the brain space that we have, and there's only so much they everybody can actually input into their brain and read and take away, right? So I think having a good audience that wants to come to your content that sees huge value in it, you know, even if it's only a thousand people, right? I've always heard, even with a thousand people that are coming to your uh, website, reading what you have to say and what you have to do. And then also, you know, encouraging you and maybe buying different products or books that you have coming out, right? Because I know if you put a book out, right? So you had the ability to build an audience and, you know, and market a book to them technically, right? So the nice thing is that book does provide a lot of value, right? I know I had a huge opportunity to read the book before you even had a chance to put it out, right? And uh, it gave me insight into uh, the ways to do a couple different things online that weren't even attached to music, right? So, I mean, that book alone also allows um, me to use it in any industry even like sales right when i was I think sales so. yeah yeah and like i think what you're talking about there too is like a thousand engaged engaged subscribers or That's engaged correct. Yes. readers which you know could actually mean having 10,000 people coming to your website a month and then 10% of that you know is is engaged it might be more it might be less but just to clarify in case people are going i have a thousand followers why am i not getting anywhere yeah, right. you need you need all those to be like loyal fans and interacting with you creativity is another aspect of blogging i think a lot of people are going to approach it and then soon realize oh, i don't have any ideas like me personally i don't really run out of ideas for blogging at least not to this point and it has been many many years since i started so i can't imagine that i will run out of, of blog ideas. I think, you know, you have to start with a little bit of a framework, a little bit of an idea of who your target audience is, what their questions are, what their problems are going to be. Like if you have a, a brick and mortar business within your community, what are the top five things people ask you all the time? That's a great place to start with, with your blog. And then what questions would you, do you wish people would ask you? Those are another, you know, few posts you could put together. And so it's really just about keeping those ideas flowing, whether it's like by watching a movie or TV show and you go, hmm, I could kind of tie that in with what I'm thinking right now or what's happening in the industry right now, you know, or a book you read or somebody else's blog or somebody else's content that really inspired and engage you. I mean, those are some good starting points. Right. And and I do think creativity on writing is probably one of the hardest things, right? Because you do hear about, uh, you know, national known authors who had have writer's block. Yes. Right. So, I mean, it's not the easiest thing to do is be creative, especially when you're writing a story uh, or when you're trying to uh, give a message out to your readers that's going to maybe change the way they think or get them to take action on what you're talking or writing about. Right. Now, again, depends on what type of blog you have. If you have a comedy blog, as an example, you may not require them to take any action. Right. You're just really getting them to maybe laugh or telling them a little bit about different comedy clubs you've gone to. But if you're talking about maybe, let's say, a blog that that relates to people, let's say general life as an example, right? Then you may want them to, like a good speech, uh, take action on what you're saying at the end of them reading what you've written, right? Uh, And and really see what they've been able to take out of it. So uh, saying and writing things in a creative way so people can uh, be impacted by it can be very tough and challenging. So having that discipline to sit down and write and think makes a big difference as well if we're going to tie all that in. 
Yeah, I mean, making content that's consumable. Like, let me just say, your first few blog posts probably aren't going to be great. But if you stick with it, especially if you're new to it, right? If you stick with it, if you do it two years, four years, six years, think in terms of years and months, not in terms of days or weeks, because that's actually a very short amount of time in the grand scheme of things, you will definitely find your voice and improve over time. Tony Robbins was recently talking about John Denver, and he was having a case of writer's block. And what Tony found, what the commonality of like how songs were inspired were inevitably like when he was out skiing or when he was outdoors doing various other activities. And well, you know, John, you need to get back out there and and start doing things again, because that seems to be where you're getting your inspiration (laughs) for songs. You know, don't just like, you know, hole up in your room and and wait for ideas to happen, because that's oftentimes not how ideas happen. So part of it is definitely identifying like, where's your inspiration coming from? Right. And I do think part of that, you made a great point, you know, that you'll see a lot of people nowadays doing blogs on travel and, and nature and whatnot too, right? Because I think a lot of times when you're traveling, you do open up different parts of your mind that you haven't opened up before. You open up a lot of different spaces of creativity. Same as going into nature, even going to a zoo, for example, right? Because there's so many different animals there and you see them interacting in different ways that makes you think different and, and learn things that are different. And then it might give you the creative space to write on topics that may not have anything to do with nature or travel, but it allows you to kind of relax. Like you said earlier, right? If you're stressing, you're not going to necessarily be in the most creative space, right? So I think that does really work very well. Yeah. And then also like the challenge of blogging. That's another point here, I think, because, you know, you're, you're basically setting out to do something probably that's going to last for the next year, next two years, next five years, who knows, it could last for a long time. It could also be kind of short lived. Like if you're looking to get a job and you blog for a year and you established enough credibility and expertise in your industry to be hired on, that might be the end of that blog potentially. But you know, part of it is disciplining yourself, which we already talked about, but challenging yourself maybe to be better than you are than, than your last post, right? Cause you're in some ways you're only as good as your latest work with with blogging that's the the way the blogs are typically set up is people see the first post or the the latest post that you've published to your website you can also have like a top 10 post plugin or something like that like for popular posts or you can even just handpick your popular posts that you want people to click on that's a good <laughs> it, idea yeah and that can work too but I think there is an inherent challenge, especially like a creative challenge, because you're trying to solve a problem with every blog post you write. Maybe not necessarily the problem of your audience, but you're trying to solve a creative challenge or a creative problem with every post you write, because you're trying to figure out a way to say it and focus on a particular message and say it in a way that actually inspires and engages people. No, you're right. And, you know, what, the next point I have is actually kind of, you know, as I'm thinking, well, listening to you talk, it actually kind of makes sense with my next point. <laughs> so when you have a challenge, you know, uh, it's typically a smart idea to maybe write or start writing at least from one of two places. One, either uh, having some experience on the topic and wanting to learn more about a certain topic. So you get really into the research and really break it down and make it easier for your readers to also learn and understand from what you're, uh, you know, telling them what you're experiencing and whatnot right or if you have something you want to actually learn right something you've never you know done before let's say for example flying you've never flown a plane before and now you're gonna uh, you know put yourself in that position you want to learn how to to fly so you're gonna start blogging about it and telling people how you prepare and what you did and how you got ready and you know what the experience was eventually when you did fly and talk about all the challenges and and the opportunities and, and talk about all the struggles you had and maybe some of the things that your your mind was going through and all the you know disappointments and whatnot Um, but then eventually talk about you know that flying that plane and what that felt like and then continue telling people maybe you know another type of plane that you flew not just let's say the Cessna maybe you flew a bigger plane and and maybe now you want to become a pilot because you start enjoying it right and not just flying planes and now maybe you're jumping off cliffs and hand gliding you know you start getting into so many different things one from either having experience or two from wanting to learn something new and experience something right so those are great ways to challenge not only yourself in writing but it's also a great life experience challenge as well and teaching is more of an art form and a passion than it is a science and a system 
Wouldn't you agree? I like, do agree. You think of any any teachers that you've had throughout like grade school or uh, you did go to college. Didn't yes, you? I did. Yeah. Okay. So I only spent a year in college myself. So I, I always like to ask. Don't worry. I spent three years on a two year program, so it's okay. <laughs> <laughs> Instead of going the other way. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Well, college so, is just more fun when your buddies were there, right? So. But what was the commonality of like the good teachers? They cared about people. They cared about sharing ideas in a way that was consumable, in a way that you could understand it. Whereas, you know, maybe the teachers that weren't great were like monotone, not passionate, didn't care about what they were sharing, and, and pretty much just said, hey, read textbook pages one, one through 150 by next week. And you're like, oh, my God, this is the wrong course for me. <laughs> <laughs> you're right. You know, and one of the biggest, you know, impacts that I felt from a teacher was also you know, um, someone who shocked you when you came to class, right, doing things mm. that you would never expect them to do. I had a, a sociology teacher. I don't, I'm not sure whatever happened to him, but uh, he came in, you know, first day of class, hair slicked back he had his shirt unbuttoned down to probably his navel had a huge (laughs) gold chain on old guy glasses goatee and came in and everybody just looked at him he's not your typical you know stereotype teacher look right he really had a completely different look about him and you know i think that really made people listen to what he had to say because he didn't look like or feel like any other you know, monotoned or experienced teacher out there, although he was very experienced, he just was himself. You know, he had gone through different things. And again, he's teaching a class like sociology, right? So it's not a class that you can, you know, put a tie on necessarily and and teach from just the book, right? He really chose to teach from experience. So he actually brought in artifacts, which I think engaged people a lot better, right? So it's finding ways to engage people, I think is huge. Yeah. So, and the main point there is teaching is not easy. No. That's one of the things we always try to do with the blog. You know, me, there's, there's so many members within my family that are teachers. So I feel like it almost just runs in my blood. Like I have that compulsion to share ideas with people and teach them how to do certain things. That's kind of part, partly how I'm wired. But you, you begin to see that so many people have trouble expressing things in a simple way, in an easy way. Instead, we kind of go this academic route because we want to appear smart or maybe because we want to make money. You know, if you write these academic papers for this particular university institution not only will you you kind of get those those commendations or those rewards those awards or whatever else you also get paid a lot of money to be that academic but the average person reading that paper wouldn't make any sense of it so what's the value of that the value is only for academics whereas teaching in a sense needs to be universal your students are coming from different experience levels they're coming from different places different cultures different upbringings different backgrounds and and i think that's you know i don't want to say appeal to the lowest common denominator with your blog but try to make it so that people can understand what you're talking about there's so much technology out there today some of it's like really hard to not to understand maybe because we don't really have a good way of explaining it yet or a very simplistic way of sharing it with people but i would encourage you to find a way to talk simply and easily and in a way that people can can consume and actually take away something from you because then they're going to come back to you you know you're right and i find the more and more i read different blogs online right now the more and more people are trying to sound smarter yes. and trying to use big words you know i know when i speak i could definitely use bigger words and i can talk more eloquently and whatnot but what i've decided to do is just really keep it simple for our listeners as well right i think our listeners want to listen to people who are easily to relatable. I think the people who read blogs want to relate to people who are very easy to relate to. Now, the nice thing about when when you're blogging and when you've kind of started doing the things that it takes to blog every single day, you only are, you you start opening up your market to people around the world, right? And and if you're going to start communicating with people all around the world and by blogging every single day, you have to really understand how to deal with that target audience as well, right? Because if you talk about, as an example, you're, you're blogging about tea, Now, tea is not only drank in North America, it's drank all around the world, right? So you have to assume that just like music, people play music all around the world, right? So people from all around the world are going to potentially find your blog, read your blog, right? So making it super easy for them to understand, to relate with and consume and share that information with, right? And here's a question worth asking. If you can't simplify the concept, can you really teach it? 
there's some food for thought for you. I want to talk a little bit about foresight. I think it might might sound like a strange topic to be discussing with blogging, but I believe that without that foresight, you will end up quitting or you'll fail to see the bigger picture or you just won't have a vision. You'll become like one of the Yahoo's of the world and Yahoo published content on everything, right? And I, they were recently acquired, but they, they published content on finance, entertainment, and, and they used to be like the world's top, not search engine, but like directory. And then they became a search engine, but like Google has that market cornered. So what is the value of Yahoo? I mean, if they'd specialized in like just finance, cause Yahoo finance actually used to be really quality. Right. Then, then, you know, having that foresight would have enabled them to maybe to not be acquired or to retain their value or maybe to expand and grow their company even where, you know, it, and that, those are the things that can be really hard to see. Uh, when you're a blogger just getting started and you're, you're really talking to the void and let's be honest, that's exactly what it is. You're talking to the void. Nobody's listening. Nobody's engaging. Nobody's commenting on your stuff. You know, I've, I've seen a few people that get a few comments right away with their blog. And I think it's because they're, you know, they, they have a way of, of sharing ideas or they have a way of connecting immediately with their audience. But you can't take that as an indication that they're successful because maybe they just asked three of their friends, to, texted them directly and said, hey, could you please leave a few comments on my blog? And that's how they got it. And you can do that too, right? No, there's nothing stopping you from doing that. But having a bigger vision for your blog is going to involve foresight. Foresight to see that it can grow, that people are going to start reading it, that people are going to start checking out, that you are going to get better with time. But you can't see any of those things without foresight. Now, you have to start with where you are today because we don't live in three time states. We don't live in past, present, future. We only live in present ever. So today is what you got. I know it's like cliche to say that. Tomorrow doesn't come because tomorrow is just another today. But you have to have some foresight to have a vision for the blog, to continue it, to see it growing into something more. You know, I, I like what you said, because one of the things that uh, I was thinking about when I wrote down the idea of uh, having, ex you know, having some experience on topics is also having the idea of foresight on what to write about. Yes. Uh, not only where you think your, your, you know, your blog will go. I think that's definitely a great goal to know where you want to go with it. But having the foresight on what to write about. Right. Because what are people wanting to know? Right. I mean, with over seven billion people on this planet, it's very tough to know you know what niche market should i write about or should i write a very general blog right a lot of people uh you know when, when we start thinking about the reasons what they want to write about i think need to think about foresight when they're dealing with the reasons right and that's why i like our points because they all really do interconnect <laughs> right um but when you think about what you want to do with it it allows you to, you know, plan for what you want to do next, right? So if if you're thinking yeah. about blogging about I don't know spaceships and and space and, and uh, space uh, travel, right? As an example, there's some huge foresights and topics like that because yeah. it's all the unknown, right? So you can really talk about things that people might be thinking. You can talk about what's happening out there and with NASA and and SpaceX and and all these other uh, companies out here that are looking to travel out into the great beyond, right? So and even and, like having an evergreen post like what is space right so if you know what you want to talk about and you have the idea of what people may want to start reading about not only today but into the future i think talking about the music entrepreneur is a foresight topic you mm. know because um people aren't or we're not thinking about that before right people are just kind of used to one way of doing things right so they always do it that same way now you had the foresight in your mind to say hey you know what i don't want to be a part of the the masses i want to do something a little different i want to make make it in the industry the way I want to make it in the industry, right? That's o why you ownership. have a lot of, yeah. yeah, you have the ownership. You have a lot of indie bands that have that same thought process as well, right? Now, but you're, I think, one of the first people that I know of, at least from what I've seen online, uh, to go out there and start putting together a lot of different blogs, a lot of video content, infographics, podcasts, to really show people and tell people what it takes to do that, 
right? And mm. I think, you know, they, I think with foresight comes a little bit of genius. You know, I hope that doesn't go to your head. <laughs> but uh, I do believe that, right? That part of that is that thinking in the back of your mind that allows you to, you know, do things that everybody else is not doing, right? Uh, so I think that's huge. Well, yeah, I think you bring up a good point, which is like foresight is for your audience. So seeing ahead to, to discover what exactly that your, your audience wants to learn about, that's a huge part of it. I think just like, I'm, you know, listening to James Ramco, one of my favorite podcasters, he often brings up his background and how that led to where he's at today. And that got me thinking about my background and where it's brought me today. And like being involved in network marketing, that's part of what made me realize that this entrepreneurship topic could be a relevant and pertinent one in the music industry. A lot of the mindset things, even just like long-term mindset, thinking about or planning about the next 10 years. Like you think about most bands, they don't make it for 10 years. And, and in, in network marketing, they tell you, you can build a, a business or a certain level of a business within two to five years if you're really aggressive. But sometimes they say for some people, it takes 10 years and that makes you realize like, okay, for the common individual with maybe no special talents, no special knowledge, nothing else, they might have to start just where they're at. And it might take them those 10 years to learn the lessons, to make the mistakes, to discover where it is that they're, that they're going to. So all those things, you know, your background plays into what you can share and, and also creating that unique voice. So who are you and what, what, what is your background? What's unique about you? I grew up in Japan. I was in network marketing. I spent a year in college. I've never had, or I've, I haven't had a conventional job for more than six months of my life. <laughs> There's all these things that kind of play into the person I, who I am and what I can share with people. So those are really important considerations as you're looking to blog as well. Right. You know, I love your point that you're talking about uh, foresight and giving you examples of yourself, right? So one of the things that I, you know, my last point here is uh, part of foresight, I think, is having insight, you know, mm. and in order to be able to think forward, you have to really be able to think and understand yourself first. Uh, part of that and, you know, what when you're going to be blogging and, and, and building your audience, I think the one of the most important things uh, to have is to really understand uh, both sides of what you're talking about. You know, I mean, there's there's two sides to every coin, two sides to every story. So if you can really understand and talk about both sides in detail, you become the, the person that's known to have the most information as well, right? Because you're taking all that information that's everywhere else and bringing it into one website or into one location where people can now learn about it all in one place, right? The idea I think of having websites and blogs is to, you know, t- not have people necessarily go to you know, 10, 15, 20 websites, really bring them down to one, keep them there and keep them learning, right? Because, you know, you don't, it, part of websites is is selling items, right? We all know that. We've all been to websites where you see pop-ups come up, sign up for my book, sign up for my subscription yeah. or buy my book today, whatever, right? Get 20% off. That's part of it. That's part of the business side of it, right? But I think the big thing is if you can have people and your audience come to your location for the information, you know, you will build a following that is is going to be uh, true to you and you'll be true to them, right? So part of that is, I think, having a great insight, right? And insight comes by experience. It comes by learning. It comes by uh, trying things that you've never done and then really interacting with people and asking people their opinion uh, on what they feel on what you're writing about as well, right? Because uh, in order to have understanding of what you're talking about, you need to understand what your audience is saying once they read your blogs too, right? So getting comments is what you were talking about earlier, right? So if you can get those comments, uh, you know, try to keep it as organic as possible, right? You really do want people interacting with you. I know one of the things, you went on a little rant the other day about Instagram and just people um, <laughs> kind of posting, you know, hearts and, and awesome on Great. stuff that really doesn't make a difference, right? Yeah. We're not talking about those people. We're talking about people who really want to interact with you, who want to be part of the community that you're building, online, right? So uh, if you're able to do that, I think understanding both sides is, is super important. Now, I know what what have you done, David, uh, when you're talking about, you know, the music industry and blogging, what have you done to kind of understand both sides? Well, I, I think it's a two-way street for sure. 
Uh, I wouldn't say that it's an audience that's necessarily super interactive in terms of leaving comments. And, you know, you also have to consider like who does leave comments on blogs anymore. I mean, there are people that do. I like leaving comments on blogs, especially if I found it helpful or if I can find anything worthwhile to say then I want to share, share those comments. I, I think it, it, it's, it's an ongoing process. It never ends. You know, you talk to your email subscribers and you see a few unsubscribes and you go, Hmm, maybe that's, <laughs> maybe that last email wasn't very value adding to them. Or it's also possible that they, they just realized they didn't want another subscription and coming to their inbox and decided to unsubscribe. And it could totally be that too. So you, you, you check against your metrics. What was it? Where's the, traffic coming to on your website what social media sites are people using to find you how are people responding to your emails if any like i've i've gotten a few responses to emails here and there which products are people buying those are all votes and if you pay attention to those votes even if you're not getting any direct interaction with with the people who are coming to your website you can begin to see patterns right no, you're well said. You know, I don't really have anything additional to add. I think you, you summed it up very nicely. Well, and I also liked your point because I, I really do think of it that way when I'm writing an ebook or something like that. It's like downloading what's already in your mind. And right. then I'm often surprised by what's already in my mind. <laughs> well, it's a nice thing. It's like it's being creative, right? It's finding creative ways to say the things that can be easily said, you know. But then again, going back to what we were saying earlier, sometimes it's just easier to keep things simple, right? There's that yeah. acronym KISS, right? Keep it simple, stupid. Yeah, so, or keep it simple, smarty. Smarty. I like stupid. <laughs> <laughs> it's the first one I heard, right? So I'll totally. use that one. <laughs> but it, it, it drives the point home, right? Sometimes to be creative, you don't have to be complicated. Yes, you know, definitely. Well, that's been another monster episode on using your power. Who knew that we could talk so long about the the topic of blogging? And just to clarify what I said earlier about like opportunities, those aren't the only opportunities. You might find other ones too. I was just kind of giving you a few different examples of the kind of things that were out there. And I think we had already spent uh, quite enough time on it anyway. Any. Any other closing thoughts, Mav? No, you know, we'll do we'll do a quick 30-second uh, wrap-up here. Uh, and, you know, definitely let me know what you think as well. My biggest takeaway for our audience today is, you know, uh, find a reason to blog. If you have that within you, talk about it. Talk uh, talk from it from your personal experience. You know, I think that's going to be the most genuine way people will connect to you. Uh, if it's if it's a business blog or if it's a experience blog, if it's a, if it's a blog about your journey, if you're just blogging about religion, whatever it is you want to blog about, blog about it. But, you know, and I find the most successful people are going to be the people who can find people to connect with within the same, you know, um, things that they like and enjoy. Blogging is a habit and a habit always takes time to develop. So don't be surprised if the first time you start initiating and putting that project, you know, in, in, into your plans that you have a hard time being consistent because you really you will have to schedule it in at first. You'll really have to create the time. But soon if you keep at it you'll find the joy in the writing you'll find the joy in the blogging and it'll be actually be easier because you'll have so many ideas coming to you about what you can share so this has been using your power thanks so much for listening and for tuning in and we look forward to reading your comments awesome thank you so much thanks